Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. Very good morning to you. Thanks for tuning in to Money FM 89.3. I'm Lynn Lee. On today's Morning Shot, we talk about coal exit. There are now more than 200 globally significant financial institutions with coal exit policies. That's according to the US-based Think Tank Institute for Energy Economics and Financial Analysis, which says that double the number in 2019. Positive development spotlighting how global capital is shunning coal. But last year, only five new commitments were made by firms with over 10 billion US dollars in assets, a dip from 31 in 2021 and 35 in 2020. To help us better understand where the world is standing on the transition from coal, we're joined by Professor Paul Burke, head of the Arne Codden Department of Economics at Australian National University's Crawford School of Public Policy. A very good morning to you, Professor. Good morning, Emily. Now, in that report we cited, researchers say momentum has been building up in the number of policy upgrades in the last two years, which also further strengthened coal exit policies. So in your opinion, has that translated into real and accountable results that can be quantified reasonably? The answer is a nuanced yes. Uh, coal is a sunset sector in terms of thermal coal for electricity generation. And around the region, the Asian region, countries have been moving. Mm-hmm. So first of all, global financial institutions exiting coal. Also, development banks such as the Asian Development Bank no longer funding new thermal coal projects. At the country level, things are happening as well. Many countries signed up to the Global Coal to Clean Power Transition Statement, which basically means by 2050, phasing out of thermal coal. That includes Vietnam, fully signed it, and the statement was also partially endorsed by Indonesia and the Philippines. At the country level, there are some policies that are coming into play as well. And some countries, including India, Vietnam, and also China, are moving away from building new coal-fired power stations. Although in China, there are still some that are being planned and approved. But in general, there is a move away from going down this road. So why do you think it's so challenging for companies in the oil and gas industry to reduce their carbon footprints? We use a lot of fossil fuels, and there is a huge challenge for us to be moving away from fossil fuels. However, there are big opportunities these days as well. Solar and wind are now cost competitive. And in Asia, there are huge opportunities in solar and wind. So for electricity generation, there is a movement away. Just for example, Vietnam has been building wind farms and also putting in solar panels. So countries and companies have been starting the move, but really there's a long way to go to decarbonise electricity generation and then also switch towards using clean electricity for other things such as transport. Talking about that, switching to more renewable sources, how would you describe the draw to do so? Is it enticing enough in economic terms? Solar and wind are exciting. They're now the cheapest electricity generation options. Of course, you need to be, especially for wind, locating the generation at the best sites. But, uh, for example, in the region, uh, countries such as Indonesia have huge solar PV opportunities. Countries such as Vietnam have huge wind and also solar PV opportunities. So there's a lot of exciting movement in the clean energy space at the moment. At the same time, electric vehicles are here now. 
So moving towards cleaner vehicles and cleaner technologies, the move really is on. Energy efficiency as well. When electricity prices are high, that's a great time to retrofit your office or your factory. So there's really a strong move towards energy efficiency improvements these days as well. Is it enticing enough, even with all these exciting developments? Well, putting in solar panels can reduce your electricity costs for if you're a firm, and that can be enticing. Australia really, on this topic, is ahead of the curve a bit. Mm-hmm. Australia, of course, is quite spacious and quite sunny, but many firms have been putting in solar panels and also batteries, and there are multiple benefits there. If electricity prices are high, it helps to reduce bills, and also it helps to if there's a risk of blackout from very hot days, it helps to have backup as well. So in many settings, solar PV installations really are enticing at the firm level. And we could think about shopping malls, about hotels and others as well. Any space that has a pretty good roof area, solar PV is a pretty attractive investment just based on the financials only. Professor, also recently, an analysis of official documents by Greenpeace found that local governments in China approved more new coal power in the first three months of this year than in the whole of 2021. What could have prompted this and how significant is that move on the rest of the world? That is concerning and it's a very interesting development as well. What prompted it? There's a lot of money in the coal industry in China, a lot of interests involved. Also, last year, fossil fuel prices were high. Energy was scarce, in particular as a result of the invasion of Ukraine. So there are multiple parts to the story there. We should also remember, though, that approved plants don't always get built. They enter a pipeline and it takes years to build a coal-fired power station. And many projects do get cancelled along the way for one reason or the other. In China, the general trend has been a decline in the coal share of the electricity mix. 15 years ago, coal was generating about 81% of China's electricity. That's now down to 61%. So it's fallen quite a lot as a share. And solar and wind have been growing. They're now about about 14% of electricity generation. So it's a big country, China. Uh, It's true that some new plants are being improved in terms of coal-fired power stations. But there's a lot going on as well in terms of wind investment, solar investment, and Nuclear power as well is part of the picture. So you don't think this approval of more new coal power is likely to push Beijing to backtrack on its pledge to become carbon neutral by 2060? I don't think so at this stage. 2060 is still quite a way away. Certainly, if they build new coal-fired power stations, when 2060 comes, it makes it much harder to be climate neutral then because you would need to offset those emissions from the coal-fired power stations or capture them. But 2060 is a long way away. I don't think right now a revision of those long-run targets is on the cards. But to be consistent with those long-run targets, we also do need to be making sure policy is pushing in the right direction. So it would be good to see more focus in China in terms of moving away from highly polluting coal-fired power and towards these new exciting clean options and also quite cheap options as well. Mm really doubling down on solar and wind and grid management to make sure that the grid is able to remain highly reliable with high solar and wind shares. Even with those alternative options, China's President Xi Jinping had earlier said that coal would remain a mainstay of China's energy mix, which would be hard to change in the short term. Do you agree that coal is the answer to China's energy security, at least in the short term, as what President Xi had said? I do agree. In the short term, coal is 
the majority of electricity generation in China. It's now 61%. So coal is still the king when it comes to contributing to electricity generation. But we also need to look at the trend over time. Coal's contribution is declining year after year. And coal is also facing a lot of cost competition from new generation options, in particular solar and wind. So it takes a long time to turn over a capital stock in the electricity system. I certainly agree. In the short run, coal is very much here and dominant in China, but that dominance is eroding over time. And when we look 10 years down the track, it's quite likely coal will be down to about a 50% contribution to electricity generation in China, and it will keep declining from there. It won't come back because coal is a very mature technology, very polluting, and there are these new competitors. So 50% in 10 years. Looking at the bigger picture of global coal exit, what's the realistic time frame for a complete transition to happen? A complete transition away from thermal coal will take decades. A realistic time frame is out towards 2060. But remember, the climate cares about every tonne CO2 that we put into it. So I only need to focus on just closing that very last generator. The key thing right now is the new investment. Let's make sure that it's into the clean technologies as much as possible. Coal is here in the short run. We'll still be using it. We need it to run our economies and keep the lights on. Mm -hmm. But new investment increasingly is not coal. And over time, we are moving away from it in countries, including China and Australia and also Vietnam as well. All right. Thank you very much. We've been speaking with Professor Paul Burke, head of the Arndt Corden Department of Economics at Australian National University's Crawford School of Public Policy. Thank you. Thank you very much, Lindley. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.